When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paradise Lost, John Milton's most famous and arguably best piece of work according to most people, just not the poet himself. That accolade would go to the sequel Paradise Regained. Now if that title doesn't sound familiar, join the club, because like many sequels, it's just not held in the same regard as the original, much to the annoyance of Milton. To provide some context surrounding the sequel, Paradise Regained was considered inferior to Paradise Lost by fans of Milton and readers in general at the time it was published, and that opinion still holds firm today. That's not to say Paradise Regained is a bad piece of literature by any stretch of the imagination, however Milton is a victim of his own success here, but we can discuss some of the reasons why later on in the video. So what about the story itself? To start, Paradise Regained is around 2,000 lines, as opposed to Paradise Lost 10,500, so it is significantly shorter than the original. The four books of Paradise Regained follow the events of Paradise Lost where the Son of God arrives on Earth. After being baptised by John the Baptist, he spends 40 days and nights in the desert, where he must overcome the temptation of Satan. At its very core, this narrative can be seen as a battle against sin, or even one's very own faith. As we've seen in the work of Dante, in order to overcome the different kinds of sin and temptation, one must show a variety of heavenly virtues. Book 1 begins on the Jordan River as a congregation witnesses the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. As this happens, the heavens open and a voice announces to all those present that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the first time Jesus himself would have heard this, and it's the start of his journey to becoming the ordained Messiah. Witnessing this meeting is Satan, who now knows the true identity of the Son of God. The news concerns him as he is one step closer to realising his destiny, and in turn the punishment for Satan and those in hell draws ever closer. Satan returns to his council of demons and discusses what he has just seen. The rule that they had over mankind will be cut short if the Son of God is allowed to realise his mission. Satan takes on the responsibility of being the one to oppose the Son of God, confident that having already corrupted Adam and Eve, he will also be able to lead the Son of God down a path of evil. Watching on from heaven, God reassures the angel Gabriel that he is well aware of Satan's plan and his overconfidence is of no concern. In fact, this plan for Satan to corrupt his son all falls into his overall divine plan, the ultimate test for his son. 
For those confused regarding the state of Satan and his followers, Paradise Lost ends with them being turned into serpents, or at least that is the prophecy foretold by God. A punishment that will happen in the future once his son fulfills the divine plan. Since then, Adam and Eve were cast from Eden, and whilst on Earth, Satan and his followers have been able to corrupt and sow the seeds of sin amongst mankind. After his baptism, Jesus returns to his mother Mary with the news that he is the Son of God. She then explains the extraordinary circumstances surrounding his birth. Now faced with the daunting prospect of being the Messiah, he wanders the desert where he shall fast for 40 days and 40 nights, hoping for clarity on how to begin his mission. This is where Satan first appears to the Son of God in the disguise of an elderly man. He can see that the Son of God is struggling with his fast, and decides to test whether he can resist the temptation that comes with hunger. He tries to befriend the Son of God, suggesting that he has no need to feel the pain of hunger. As the Son of God, he could simply turn the stones around him into bread. After a while, he starts to recognise the old man and can see through his disguise. He tells Satan that a man does not need bread or food to live, all he does need is the word of God. In Book 2, the Son of God continues to roam the desert in contemplation of the task ahead of him. Satan returns to his council to discuss their next approach, making it known that deceiving the Son of God will be a much harder task than deceiving Adam and Eve. Belial discusses the option of trying to use women to seduce the Son of God, similar to how Solomon was seduced. Satan rejects Belial's plan, stating that only a weak mind would fall for this plan. Instead, they would need something grander, such as the promise of glory amongst men. Back in the desert, the Son of God continues to feel hunger, but he must test his resolve until God is ready. He closes his eyes, and when he wakes, a well-dressed man stands before him. The man is accompanied by a banquet of food. This is, of course, once again Satan, who makes the food vanish when the Son of God declines his offer. Satan instead offers him riches beyond his wildest imagination. He would be able to feed and raise an army of his followers. The Son of God rejects the offer, claiming that great riches are not needed to perform great deeds. He then gives numerous examples from the Bible, one of these being King David, who began his life as a humble shepherd. What's interesting here is the nature of the temptation being offered by Satan, and how it changes. In Paradise Lost, Satan tempts Eve into disobeying God, and in turn committing an act of evil. This works because Eve does not have the same connection to God as his son. She lacks the necessary knowledge and experience, which leads to her naivety and curiosity overcoming her. The Son of God, however, is well aware of his mission and is wholeheartedly committed to God. And so Satan changes his approach. Instead of tempting the Son of God through direct disobedience, he instead gives him the choice to act in a virtuous way. The dilemma of one's faith over the perceived right thing to do. Satan uses the cardinal virtues to try and accomplish this. 
When he first approaches the Son of God, he offers him food. Accepting this offer can be seen as a selfish act. The next time he approaches the Son of God, he offers him riches that could be used to feed all of his followers and benefit the many as opposed to the few. From an outside perspective, what Satan is now doing is giving the Son of God a choice, where rejecting his offer may also be seen as selfish. He is giving him the chance to display the cardinal virtues, in this case it would be charity, the chance to help those in need. The caveat or dilemma being that your faith in what could happen would have to take a back seat. Do I wait and trust that God will help these people when the time is right, or do I take initiative and help them myself right now? What would normally be an interesting and nuanced discussion as to what the choice should be never really takes place. The response from the Son of God is a biblical reference followed by his unwavering belief in God's plan for him, and this never really really changes. This is the main issue that many, including myself, have with Paradise Regained. Milton does a great job in posing these questions of morality to his audience. However, his own characters seem to lack even the most basic skills of comprehension. The questions they are posed are ignored in favour of an almost automated response. The two most complex characters in Milton's poems are Satan and Eve. They show a willingness to question, learn, and understand the world as it works, and why. Adam's character does also experience this change once Eve falls victim to Satan's temptation because he is then faced with his own moral dilemma, where he chooses Eve over Paradise and in turn his connection to God. Paradise Regained doesn't really have any of these dilemmas or moral choices with its characters. The Son of God is placed in situations where he faces a tough decision and questions of morality are raised. However, he doesn't even seem to comprehend what is truly being asked of him. He simply offers a rebuttal and a reference of some kind. The entire purpose of his time in the wilderness is to test him, but we never really see any internal struggle nor deviation or questioning of his belief. It doesn't seem like a very difficult test. Now this very well might be by design from Milton, but it does create a frustrating dynamic between the Son of God and Satan, as well as making the story very, very predictable. Anyway, context and criticism aside, Satan plans on using the virtues of hope and faith in the next two books. In Book 3, Satan changes his approach once again. His offer shifts from riches to power. He tells the Son of God that he is indeed very wise, but after this compliment comes a barrage of insults. Despite his wisdom, he has achieved so little in his life. There are men who at the same age had achieved a greatness. Alexander the Great had conquered almost half of the world by the age of 30. Satan continues to goad the Son of God, questioning why he chooses to waste his time alone in the wilderness when he could be out in the world achieving greatness. Why does he choose to hide his gifts when instead he could be using them for good? The conclusion he comes to is that the Son of God has spent too much time in his home. He has never been outside to experience the world, and so he has become accustomed to lingering in his own thoughts and ideas as opposed to acting on them. 
The Son of God rebukes this by saying he does not wish to gain glory like some men through the means of evil and violence. Satan responds by saying there is nothing wrong with seeking glory. After all, his own father God does the same thing, so why should he not follow his father's example? The only response he can muster is that it's wrong for man to seek glory, but okay for God because it has been earned. Satan then takes the Son of God to a mountain top where he can see all of the kingdoms and armies in the world. He tells him to pick any of these kingdoms and the army will be at his disposal. He will be able to free his people and resist Rome. Again, the Son of God gives an odd response. He tells Satan that the Israelites deserve to be enslaved for their sins and he will form his own kingdom when the time is right. As we discussed, this is Satan's attempt to allow the Son of God to give hope to his people. However, this virtue is denied using the justification that his people must have sinned and therefore deserve to be enslaved as punishment. Book 4 continues from the mountaintop. This time Satan shows the Son of God Rome and offers him the kingdom. He declines once again, and Satan questions why he would not want to overthrow such an evil leader. Again, the Son of God tells Satan that the suffering under the Roman Empire is deserved, and he was not sent by God to stop the Roman Empire. The Romans will be responsible for the collapse of their own kingdom because they have forsaken all virtues for the desire of earthly pleasures. Instead, they must be patient because when his kingdom is created, the earthly monarchies will all be overthrown. It's at this point in the poem where Satan realises there is nothing he can do to sway the Son of God from his mission. He offers him every kingdom he can see. They will all bow down to him. Unsurprisingly, he once again says no. He then shows him the glory of Athens. The great philosophers Socrates, Aristotle and Plato, all of their wisdom could be his. But the Son of God denounces this as false wisdom. Frustrated that nothing he offers seems to tempt the Son of God, he returns him to the desert. Satan leaves him in the middle of the desert as a storm rages. He gives him terrible visions and nightmares, but none of this is enough to break his resolve. The next morning, Satan takes him to the pinnacle, the very top of the Temple of Jerusalem. He asks him to prove his divinity by throwing himself off. If he was truly the Messiah, then surely the angels would catch him. This is where Satan tempts the Son of God into showing the virtue of faith. So far we've seen faith from a philosophical standpoint, but this is where Satan essentially asks the Son of God to prove that he is really the Son of God, with the stakes being his own life if his faith is misplaced. However, the self-doubt that Satan tried to install is unsuccessful as the Son of God refuses, quoting, Tempt not the Lord thy God. It's at this point Satan has no doubt that he really is the Son of God. Jesus himself, who always believed it to be true, now has confirmation that he is the Messiah. Satan, in disbelief, is the one who falls from the pinnacle, with no choice but to return to his council of demons defeated. The angels appear to sing songs of Jesus' victory over Satan. 
Paradise Lost began with the fall of Satan, and Paradise Regained ends with the fall of Satan. The consensus seems to be that Paradise Lost was a complete piece of literature that did not need a sequel. The biggest difference between the two stories is definitely the style they are written in. Paradise Lost is full of extravagant language, similes, and metaphors that paint a grand image, but one that is still vastly open to interpretation. This is all gone in Paradise Regained. It is a much more plain style, where everything is very literal and there is no room for interpretation. Some argue this change in style was influenced by the clergy, who preferred a very simple style when it came to text relating to religion. However, it is important to note that we saw this same style, or at least a transition into this style, in the last two books of Paradise Lost. The main reason I wanted to provide the context was to answer any questions from those wondering why Paradise Lost is so revered, and yet Paradise Regained is essentially the forgotten sequel. 